Welcome to Valuification of Things, your one-stop podcast on the discussion of value and especially business value. This is a forum where your host, Shree Sundaram, will be discussing topics on how to quantify value for practically any scenario. Along the way, we will have business leaders and subject matter experts describing their value journey. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast episode. Hello there. I'm Sri Sundaram, your host. In today's episode, we investigate the current uproar that has enveloped the business world since late last year. Yes, you guessed it right. I'm referring to ChatGPT and how it has upended business value conversations for the past several months. In today's panel discussion, we dive into what ChatGPT is all about. More generally, we will talk about large language models, also called LLMs. ChatGPT is one manifestation of an LLM. Today, we explore the key business value levers that make ChatGPT such an attractive value proposition to businesses. As with all good things in life, this too comes at a cost. So we'll discuss some potential downsides of relying on AI-based business operations. The panel today will also analyze key industry trends that have become more relevant due to the advent of ChatGPT-like technologies. So without further ado, let me introduce the panel. Our discussants today are Andrew Wolf, David Katzel, and Mike Sternberg. Andrew is a previous guest on this podcast, and if you recall, He's an industry thought leader who has had a long stint in the customer digital transformation specialty. Prior to digital transformation, he has had rich experiences in planning and architecting system architectures at major organizations. David Katzel is also a repeat guest on this podcast. If you recall, David is a pragmatic futurist with 25 years of digital and cultural transformation experiences around the world. He has had various leadership positions at many organizations like Microsoft and Intel. Last but not least, Mike Sternberg has had an extensive career as CTO and Chief Architect for Kelly Services, in addition to being a digital transformation agent for Microsoft's key customers. He also has over 30 years of experience all three of you have diligently studied the implications of this technology since late last year. And I'm excited to hear what your perspectives today are. So welcome to the Valification of Things. Morning, Sri. Thanks, Sri. Glad to be here. Hey, Sri. Wonderful to be with you again. Before we begin, I think that it is key that we spend a few minutes level setting the topic. Andrew, let me begin with you. What is generative AI? And how is ChatGPT related to it? Sure. So generative AI is a very hot topic now with ChatGPT and Dolly and other models uh, very hot in the media and, and on top of everybody's mind as it become publicly available this last year. 
But generative AI is just a subset of the overall artificial intelligence industry and represents one type of uh, AI model that focuses on the creation or generation of new content. And as such, they represent a more innovative use of AI than we've seen in the past. GANs, which is a generative adversarial network, or large language models like ChatGPT or some of the stable diffusion models like Dolly and others. These models all focus on the synthesis or creation of new content, novel content, uh, whether it's text or image or sound, um, and has a broad implication for uh, practically every industry and every facet of every industry. ChatGPT is a large language model which focuses on text generation largely. And as such, it's a statistical model that works to choose the next best token or part of a word in a sentence given all of its data that it's looked at over uh, over its training. And it's a very uh, novel model in that it is able to generate text that is very close to that that we as humans would create. And so it's uh, much better than some of the past models. And I think one of the trends we're seeing now is the rapid improvement of these models and the content that they create. Thanks for that uh, uh, concise definition, Andrew. Uh, so Mike, you have been studying this topic for a long time, right? About 30 years. Uh, mm -hmm. It cannot be that this development is brand new, right? You're totally correct, Sri. Research has been going on in this area since the 50s, um, but a few things have changed to really make the technology much more viable. Of course, we all know about compute processing power has greatly increased, that's one thing. Um, another is the ability to store large amounts of data pretty inexpensively. And then now that we have access to cloud computing platforms, the data is readily available. In the past, it was generally spread out and could not be easily accessed. And then I think the final thing is, we finally have a pretty good understanding, or I, or I would say a better understanding, of how the human brain handles language. All those kind of things have come together to really make possible what we're seeing today. So Mike, you are telling me that this has been decades in the making. So why the sudden brouhaha, David? What gives? Well, Sri, in literally in two months, ChatGPT reached 100 million users. Unprecedented explosive growth for a consumer app, and it continues to grow exponentially. And it grows because it's easy to use and anyone can do it. And you just type in a prompt and ChatGPT generates text or translates language or writes all manner of creative content and answers your questions in a useful and convenient way. But the hype behind ChatGPT is real. However, it's important to understand what a model can do and what it cannot, because ChatGPT can be engaging and an entertaining conversationalist. However, it's not a sentient being. It's a machine learning model that has been trained to generate text that is similar to human conversation. And sometimes it'll generate text that's not factual or informative. So if I were to summarize, there's some things that ChatGPT can do well. Generate text that is similar to human conversation. It can translate languages. It can write different kinds of creative content, whether it be a poem or a blog post, and it can answer your questions in an informative way. However, there's some things it cannot do well. It can't generate text that is guaranteed to be factual. It cannot, it cannot generate text that is guaranteed to be creative. It does not understand the nuances of human 
language. And in many cases, it is not sensitive to cultural or political sensitivities. Now that we have some baseline understanding of what ChatGPT and LLMs and generative AI is all about, uh, let's start to delve on some key business benefits. What are businesses expecting to get out of an infusion of AI into the organizations? Uh, so David, let's begin with you. Uh, of all the value levers that you see, can you provide two top levers that you think are at the top of mind of business leaders today? There are several, but I think the top two that I run across are centered around enhancing customer experience and then streamlining operations through automation. So on the improving customer experience front, ChatGPT's natural language understanding capabilities and real-time support as a virtual assistant or chatbot contribute to enhancing the overall customer experience by providing prompt and accurate responses to customer queries, ChatGPT reduces response times, leading to greater customer satisfaction. And these are meaningful and personalized interactions. It does not feel like a machine response. And ChatGPT fosters stronger connections with customers, and this has a positive brand perception impact and a positive impact on customer loyalty. On the cost benefit side, it streamlines operations and there are enormous cost savings through automation. ChatGPT's automation capabilities enable it to handle those routine customer inquiries and support tasks, which reduce the workload on human agents. And this automation allows human agents to focus on the more complex and value added activities. And this leads to increased efficiency and productivity. So by automating re repetitive tasks, ChatGPT helps business cut costs by optimizing resource allocation and improving operational efficiency. So how about you, Mike? What are your top uh, two value levers? Mm -hmm. Well, I think I have a little different perspective. I'm looking at it perhaps in a broader, more societal way. Um, I have a son who has a cognitive disability, and I've worked with a lot of disabled persons over the years. And so I see a lot of value in using new technologies to kind of try to support people, you know, kind of make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. So maybe kind of an example here of, you know, where I'm coming from. My son and others, many others like him, will never be able to drive a car. Um, but large language models can help bring automotive autonomous vehicles to life. That opens up a lot of possibilities for, you know, a whole group of people that perhaps would not have those options. So that was a great example, uh, Mike, of uh, using AI for uh, societal and uh, community good, right? Uh, Andrew, you have some examples for us? Sure, absolutely. And as we're seeing, uh, AI is impacting industries in cross-cutting ways. And essentially any industry where you've got creation or generation of novel material, you're going to be able to leverage AI. So product development is one area where AI is, or generative AI, is helping to accelerate the product development lifecycle um, through generating new product ideas or rapid generation of prototypes or even generating sales and marketing copy. So the entire product development lifecycle, regardless of industry, is an area where uh, generative AI is being leveraged. And as may be an interesting one, let's look at corporate back office functions, kind mm -hmm. of the staid world of things like finance and, and human resources and legal. 
where generative AI can help to accelerate the work that they do by generating reports or workflows, for example, or in finance investment ideas or helping to generate forecasts. In HR, uh, the idea of personalized uh, assessments and the ability to create an individual uh, learning or uh, development uh, flow is going to be driven by generative AI. And in legal, we're already seeing legal documents, contracts, uh, and the creation of these artifacts, as well as the uh, generation of legal advice. Now, as we heard before, you always have to take a kind of trust but verify approach with some of those uh, legal and contractual uh, artifacts that's created. And maybe one of my favorites, if I can sneak in a third, are some of the novel ways to use AI that we haven't really thought of. Remember, we're kind of at the cusp of applying generative AI to business value, and we're just beginning to explore that. And I, I deeply believe we have not yet found the optimized use of, of generative AI in the business world yet. So, so Mike, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch in the business world, right? Uh, you know, everything comes at a cost. There are always some downsides. Not everything is rosy. Um, so what are some downsides that you think uh, that organizations would see as they're adopting ChatGPT? Sure. So this is definitely going to impact people's jobs. Any sort of standard scripting or writing can be automated. I would not want to be a writer of like Hallmark holiday movies today because a lot of those are pretty standardized and um, easy to perhaps replicate. I also think that some companies are going to use chat GPT and kind of follow what is generated blindly. Um, I've already seen this happen. I saw, you know, large language models used to detect um, unemployment claim fraud in the state where I live. And it turns out that the model that was used was wrong about 70% of the time. There have been lawsuits ongoing related to this for, you know, the last five years. And there are still a number of lawsuits pending. So, you know, don't follow it blindly. Uh, and I, I hate to be like only on the negative side of things. So mm -hmm. on a more positive note, it's always a lot easier to see the downside of a technology change. The upside is very difficult to predict. I mean, look at what happened in the auto industry. You know, people that made wagon wheels all lost their jobs, but then brand new industries sprang up around the automotive space and more jobs were created than were lost. Mm -hmm. Good thoughts there, uh, Mike. I'm not sure my uh, my wife would appreciate your dig at Hallmark movies, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it on a different day. <laughs> uh, so, Andrew, care to weigh in on with your thoughts? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, you know, I think there are a couple of, of downsides, particularly when you look at at uh, generating value in the business world with with AI. Uh, one of those is explainability, which is the uh, ability to define or explain how an AI model has generated its results. Uh, we don't have that ability yet, and it makes it very difficult to ensure that mm. the AI model is being used responsibly and in accordance with regulations, which is actually the other uh, kind of challenge in this area is that regulations typically lag technology advancement, and in AI, this is uh, no different from other times. And uh, AI models are trained on large amounts of data, uh, which is used to create that new content, whether it's written data or visual or graphic data, 
And sometimes this content, uh, the content that's created may be derivative of some of these original sources, which creates uh, possibilities for copyright or trademark infringement, other concerns. And this has created a huge amount of concern for human creators whose material is used to train those models. And so how do we create that balance? And, and frankly, we're not quite there yet in terms of the governance of, of AI. Um, so it, regulation doesn't address some of these concerns, which makes it difficult for businesses to leverage AI in, in them to ensure that they're complying with regulations, local or, or uh, national, and avoiding legal risk. So, so David, what has been your negative experience as you speak to business leaders, you know, while researching our upcoming book? Sri, uh, like Mike, I am profoundly optimistic about the possibilities of this technology. There are three concerns that executives bring up constantly. The first is, these are models, deep learning algorithms, and they learn patterns and representations from the data they are trained on. And so one of the risks is the training data could in fact contain biases. And if an AI model is trained on data that reflects say societal biases, it can inadvertently perpetrate and amplify <laughs> these biases <laughs> and it can generate content and responses that do the same. The second uh, there, there, are th there are three things that come up each time. First is biases, second is realistic but fake content, and then third is ethics. So with regard to AI's ability to create realistic but fake content, this includes generating fake news articles, reviews, social media posts that all resemble authentic human-generated content. Mm -hmm. Misinformation and disinformation spread through AI-generated content can mislead the public, can mislead your customers, can manipulate opinions, and potentially even impact political landscapes. So the third one that is, I think, the most common one that comes up is that business leaders who adopt generative AI technologies face ethical dilemmas and challenging decisions related to its usage. So one such dilemma is deciding how to balance business interests with user well-being. So AI can be employed to optimize various business metrics like maximizing engagement, increasing sales, but leaders have to be carefully consider the ethical implications of those actions. Prioritizing business interests without considering potential harm to users or society can lead to very negative outcomes and public uh, backlash. Thank you, David, Andrew and Mike for your in-depth explanations on the benefits and downsides of generative AI and ChatGPT in particular. Uh, we will take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue a conversation with the panel. We'll get into examples of where this has been done so far and what industries have been affected. We'll also talk about what the future portends for this domain. This episode of Valuification of Things is sponsored by Valuefy. Valuefy is a free tool that allows you to create business value models. Go to valuefy.net and click download to begin your valuification journey. Welcome back. Today we have David Katzel, Andrew Wolf, and Mike Sternberg, industry experts who've been studying the implications of generative AI in businesses. They provided key value levers that interest businesses and they also talked about potential downsides that can occur when ChatGPT is not used effectively. 
Now, let's get into some specific examples where this technology has been successfully used in businesses. So Mike, why don't you start us off in this segment and give us some examples of successful implementations of ChatGPT. So I see a lot of opportunity to use ChatGPT and large language models for brainstorming, things like generating new ideas. In fact, with some work we did with Ford Motor Company, we looked at how you could have an intelligent assistant in an autonomous vehicle. What might that be like? Um, we looked at how that would work for a deaf person or a blind person or an Uber driver. And, you know, given that um, we were able to look at this, you'll see a lot of these ideas, you know, come to fruition in some of the newer Ford vehicles. It's a great example, Mike. Uh, it, elsewhere in the automotive mobility industry, we're seeing uh, generative AI applied wholesale to different aspects of the, the business. Waymo, for example, is using generative AI to generate synthetic data for training its self-driving vehicles. Uh, Uber is using generative AI for optimizing its fleet management. Uh, Progressive Insurance uses generative AI to assess risk and uh, price insurance policies. Uh, some concerns about that, of course. Uh, and then Lyft finally is using generative AI to create personalized mobility experiences with its products and services. So we're seeing that AI is, as and generative AI specifically as a tool is being leveraged wholesale across the automotive industry. Those are really intriguing examples, Mike and Andrew. Um, I'm going to use a household brand, IKEA. I IKEA is using generative AI to create new product designs, optimize its supply chain, and improve customer service. So, for example, on the product design front, IKEA is using generative AI to analyze customer feedback and trends to produce furniture designs that are most likely to be successful, give people what they need. On the customer service side, IKEA is using generative AI to create chatbots that answer customer questions and resolve issues and thereby reduce the number of customer service calls and a resulting improvement in customer satisfaction. On the marketing front, they're creating more personalized and engaging marketing campaigns by using generative AI to analyze customer data and then generate ads tailored to individual interests. And finally, on the supply chain side, IKEA is using generative AI to optimize supply chain by predicting the demand for its products. Those are some great examples uh, here, uh, David, Andrew, and Mike. And the, this opens up endless possibilities in different industries, right? Um, obviously, as these case studies grow, uh, some patterns and trends may emerge in various industries. So David, I know you worked with Nike before, and uh, now they're working on some interesting projects using uh, generative AI, and, and uh, I don't know if they're working on ChatGPT or not. Uh, but more more broadly, what do you see changing uh, in the in the industry that Nike belongs to, the 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 sports apparel fashion industry? Well, Nike is actually a really good example because they're using it across multiple aspects of their business. Um, they're using generative AI to design cutting-edge shoe models that are not only more comfortable or more supportive and stylish, but also actually highly responsive to the individual with superior shock absorption. So they analyze the data from thousands of runners and then generate a custom shoe design tailored to the individual need. This started with a collaboration with Google AI in 2020. Uh, Nike developed a generative AI model trained on a vast data set of 
I think it was over a half million shoe images. And the AI-driven approach allows Nike to create innovative and functional shoe designs that cater to both style and also performance, which is what they're about. They've extended the power of generative AI all the way through to supply chain optimization. They use it to analyze historic data and predictive forecasting, and they can efficiently predict product demand. And this helps the customer properly allocate resources and ultimately reduce costs and enhance overall supply chain efficiently. So, so how about um, in the automotive industry, uh, Andrew? I know you worked in that quite a bit. What do you yep. see in there? Yeah, it, generative AI is being applied across the board in, in the automotive industry, as we talked about previously. Um, if, for example, the in autonomous vehicles, uh, generative AI is used to generate synthetic data. Um, that data can be used to simulate a large number of different driving conditions and scenarios, which help ultimately improve the performance of the, the autonomous vehicles. Uh, Waymo is the example we mentioned earlier. And uh, with respect to Uber and others are using generative AI in fleet management and how they optimize that uh, the management of those fleets around scheduling uh, opportunities for maintenance, the routing of vehicles, and then the, even the managing uh, of driver schedules, et cetera. In the insurance space, Progressive was our uh, example we discussed earlier, and they're using generative AI to uh, assess risk and, and price policies done using uh, analyzing large amounts of historical data using the generative to create risk profiles for different drivers and vehicles. Um, also in uh, the automotive, we've got transportation planning. Generative AI is used to uh, create and plan transportation networks uh, by identifying bottlenecks, optimizing traffic flow and, and predicting demand patterns. And then as we've seen, the, the uh, motion towards personalized experiences is, uh, is deeply embedded in the uh, mobility uh, industry. Generative AI is used to create these personalized experiences like personalized routing suggestions based on your uh, uh, particular time of day, your location, your job, recommending various transportation options based on real world conditions and, and and then, of course, providing real-time updates on traffic conditions, et cetera. So we're seeing the generative AI splashed all across the automotive and mobility industry. Uh, how about you, Mike? What other trends do you see? So let me speak to the service industry a bit. The type of automation that we're seeing today with ChatGPT, it's really different from any other technology change that has ever occurred. In the past, automation primarily impacted physical labor. And today, now for the first time, the knowledge workers being impacted. So think lawyers, screenwriters, advertising content, mm -hmm. content execs, all of them are going to see their jobs change dramatically. And I think that's gonna have broad implications across the service industry. David, you talked about uh, the fashion and uh, sports apparel industry. Mike, you talked about the services industry. And Andrew, you talked about you know, the implications of uh, generative AI in, in the automotive space. As we near the end of this episode, let me ask each of you what the future portends for generative AI. Is it really besting our current expectations or, or is it simply a hype that is eventually going to go fall by the wayside? Andrew, you first. Sure. 
you know, I think there's a lot of potential uh, around the generative AI. And as we've seen, we've been working towards this point for decades, but the capabilities are improving dramatically now. So if you go back even three to five years and, and look at the abilities of the models then versus what they can do now, we're seeing dramatic improvements. And I think that pace is only going to pick up as we move forward and we build on the previous cycles of, of releases. I think collectively, society is also going to get better at applying AI. So if you think of this generative AI as a new tool in our toolbox, uh, we're applying it in the, the easiest ways we know how to problems that we already understand in the business world. I think we're going to be better at applying it in new, more innovative ways as we move forward, which is going to create value that we're not even thinking about today. So that's perhaps one of the most exciting pieces for me is seeing how society managed to manages to leverage generative AI and its new capabilities. I think we'll make progress in regulation. That's usually just a matter of time and, and uh, uh, energy to, to develop the regulation and understand how to apply it to society. And I think helping that is going to be increases in our ability to trust generative AI and the, the decisions and content that it creates. And that'll come along as we improve our ability to explain how the neural networks are working, along with our ability to detect deep fakes and other things that are going to erode trust that society has. And then that will lead to us allowing AI to uh, make more and more important decisions for us collectively as, as humanity. And I think there are going to be challenges and responsibilities that come along with these improvements. And we've talked about a couple of those, managing the ethical implications of this. What does it mean in terms of trademark and, and is privacy being uh, insured across the board from uh, with these AI models? But I think uh, as we move forward, it's it's a very positive, uh, positive outlook for this. Mike, your thoughts? Sure. I, I really think we're really we're at the beginning of change in this space. Mm -hmm. Clearly, AI developments are advancing kind of at the speed of light. There's the potential to really reshape entire industries, economies, and even our society. There, there's going to be a global redefinition of how we live and work and how we approach problems, um, from automating complex processes to writing new code and creating applications and new experiences that no one ever contemplated before. Thanks for that, Mike. And finally, David, your final thoughts? Three, I think that one of the most powerful ways to understand the future of AI is to think of generative AI as your co-pilot, that efficient, well-informed, number two you always wanted and dreamed of. Imagine having an extremely intelligent and capable assistant who works alongside you on everything you're trying to accomplish. It's your industry insider providing you with valuable insights that help you make better decisions thanks to its superior comprehension and its generative skills. And I think that AI's ability to learn and to understand and communicate surpass anything or anyone you've ever experienced before. So, uh, you know, just imagine what you could accomplish in the future with this kind of support. Uh, so thank you, David. Andrew and Mike uh, for being uh, panel discussions on today's topic of uh, large language models and especially the business value of ChatGPT. That was quite enlightening, at least for me. Uh, I wish we had more time to continue our discussions on air. We are all collaborating on a forthcoming book on this topic. Uh, perhaps we can regroup and discuss the book when it comes out, team. Does it sound Great like idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For Thank you for being on this episode of The Valification of Things. Thank you, Sri. Thanks, Shree. Good You're to hang out welcome. with you guys. So thank you for watching this episode. 
Today we had David Katzel, Andrew Wolf, and Mike Sternberg, thought leaders and industry experts on ChatGBT, speak to us about the benefits and downsides of large language models, especially ChatGPT. They provided some successful examples of AI infusion in corporations and talked about what the future holds in this domain. In future episodes, we'll continue to dwell on the valification of things with other thought leaders and industry executives. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this episode of Valification of Things. I hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. If you did, please share this episode with your friends and family, and don't forget to leave a review. We're always looking for ways to improve and bring in the best content possible. If you want to be featured on this podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at valuification.com. Thank you.